Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Don Whalen, CEO and founder of Precise FP. Precise FP is a US-based digital questionnaire company that basically makes it easy for advisors to create custom financial planning questionnaires that later on the back end integrate into CRMs, financial planning softwares, and various other utilities. And with that, here's my interview with Don. Hello, Don. Hi, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Well, fantastic. Thank you for taking the time. So Don Whalen of uh, Precise FP, tell us uh, what is Precise FP? Yeah, so Precise FP is a uh, data gathering and client engagement platform. Uh, been around for about 12 years now and uh, really got its start from me becoming a CFP and having had experience in the IT world prior to that. And just really recognizing the fact that I obviously wasn't the only one to do that. The CFP board has put uh, data gathering as one of the six steps in financial planning. So. Uh, I recognize that it was an important part of what we do as advisors. And the most painful part uh, of it. Yeah, not not really the most glamorous part. Uh, one yeah. that we don't really get paid for at the end of the day. Yeah, so basically that was the genesis of the Precise IP, and we've uh, evolved into a platform that does not just data gathering, but client engagement, uh, lead gen, everything from lead gen, client onboarding, you know, degree signatures. And, you know, we can get into some of the features a little later on, but we have... Been around for 12 years, so we've done a few things during that time to add value to what the advisor brings to the table. Excellent. Okay, so let's uh, we'll come back to that in a second. Tell me about uh, your story. You said you were have some sort of IT background before you got into financial planning, so uh, and then eventually started this. So give me the full background. Like, what was the past life? What was the financial planning life? And then what start? What made you start this? Or what was the pain felt? Sure. So I uh, started off in IT. That was my background, and I worked with a company called SAP, German mm. company, an ERP field. And I did that for a number of years, had my own small IT firm, and uh, really transitioned in about 2000 uh, into the uh, financial planning world. It has always been an interest of mine. I know it's quite different from IT. When I tell people that, they're like, I don't see that transition happening from, <laughs> from many people, but it was just no. something that I would always been really uh, intrigued by. And so um, made the transition, uh, kind of sat for the CFP exam. And in 2003, hung out my shingle with zero clients and built a built a small practice, which I still maintain today. And, uh, and then about 2007, a former employee of mine in the IT world uh, came back to me and said, well, I'm working with client-facing technology, which is what we were doing at the time, actually, with SAP. But is there an application in the financial services world where we could make use of some of this client-facing technology? And it was mainly around the area of PDFs and and that sort of thing. So I said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, most advisors are still dealing with uh, paper and creating these questionnaires and fact finders that clients then have to deal with. Never a good experience for the client, but also for the advisor that to then have to turn around and decipher chicken scratchings that the clients were, were applying to these documents. And then, of course, 
entering it. And of course, back then we thought we were really sophisticated because we took this document and we entered it into our financial planning and our CRM manually. That's, of course, that's not the sophisticated part. But then we would, we would scan it because we had to have a copy of that. So everybody had a nice, shiny Fujitsu scanner on our, on our desks. And we thought that was pretty sophisticated. And then we had a shredder because we had to shred it after that. And then, of course, the process was repeated every year as we did our annual reviews. We had to send out Oftentimes, another blank questionnaire the clients, if you're lucky, would fill out, but it was, it just wasn't a good process. So that's, that's kind of how the, you know, it just dawned on us that there had to be a better way. And so we developed our first version of Precise FP in 2007 and we're on uh, version four and version five coming out this summer. Excellent. All right. So take me through the experience of what it is for a client to receive a Precise FP questionnaire. And then let's, we'll come back and actually talk about what it means for the advisor to put one together. Yeah. So I think the, the power of our system, our platform, is that the advisor can make the experience custom. So custom to their firm so that they don't look like the advisor down the street. They can really differentiate themselves. And that can be around their niche. So perhaps they specialize in a certain area of financial planning and they really want to make that come through and the experience that they provide for clients. Um we do have a template library that they can use. So, you know, we've got some lead gen material. We've got fact finders and the like. But what we find more often than not is that advisors will create their own content and make that again, like a custom experience. And they can do it right down to the client level. So if they wanted to send a specific engagement piece to a, a given client, they could make it that custom. You know, I always tell people you should have, at a minimum have client types. You shouldn't be sending the same engagement piece or fact finder, whatever it is, to a recent college graduate or a recent university graduate that you do to a retired couple. They have different Yeah, you shouldn't be asking them about their artwork. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) They have different needs. They have different perspectives. Yeah, so that's what we... uh, Basically, they they create this content. And the thing to keep in mind with with any of the templates that they use, whether it's an initial prospect fact finder through to a comprehensive financial planning fact finder, if that's what uh, you know what they're using with the client, it comes pre-filled with data that was previously provided. So the client isn't, isn't starting from scratch. They're not starting with a blank form. They're at a minimum using the data or they're seeing the data they provided the last time they did went through the process. And then in some cases, advisors are importing data from their CRM. So again, just making that experience super, super easy for the client, not having to start from scratch. And then on, from the advisor's perspective, we, we make it easy because obviously they're not doing data entry into these other systems, but we actually show them what the client, what has changed in the client's situation since the last time they provided the data. So these are things you can't obviously accomplish with traditional paper or even PDFs that I still see much to my amazement <laughs> floating around. So that's kind of the process that they become engaged. It's a secure process. So it's, they have to authenticate and they're guided through. The advisor can put in call out bubbles and really make it like they're talking to the client as they go through the process. And of course, they can do it on any device, anytime. And um, we find that we have really that enables us to l- lower the resistance that clients would otherwise have to, to going through this process, not only initially, but Periodically, right? We have to keep that client data, if for nothing else, to meet regulatory requirements. We need to keep that client data complete, but also current. So we need to be doing this periodically, probably at yearly at a minimum. 
Yeah, I must say, I mean, it's also a nice little feature that uh, you guys also automatically remind the client that the questionnaire still hasn't been filled out and you nag them to it. So I will say since I uh, implemented it in my practice, the response rate has been faster and uh, more complete. I will say that. Overall, so when you started this, out of curiosity, what was the initial reaction from advisors? How quick was the uptake? Yeah, so when we started it, the initial reaction was um, they didn't think their clients would fill it out for <laughs> either because they... <laughs> Yeah, either because they thought that's something that they should be doing as the advisor. They should be sitting down with the client, probably face-to-face, and taking that information and then entering it into their systems. And so that was it's one of the reasons. great use of their, the their expensive one. time, apparently. So Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, the, if you make the experience an agreeable one, client, they really don't mind. In fact, they've almost come to expect to be interacting with systems that advisors use. It's an Amazon.com world, right? We're all self-service. We're, we're used to providing the experiences is, is similar. And the, the resistance just isn't there. And the other one was an age thing. They thought that some of their older clients would maybe struggle with the technology. And we found that not to be the case either. So, yeah, good. It's funny how much, that, that stereotype exists. Like, I mean, the number of times I've heard people say like, oh, you know, my old clients never going to use this, right? It's just like, really, have you asked them? Have you tried? And more often than not, like I've seen 90-year-olds fill this stuff out. Like, it's astonishing how much we downplay or, or assume they're not going to do something that's actually easier than the pre-existing version. And also on top of that, but what I find astonishing too is a lot of advisors just won't even start using it or something like that just because they're like, oh, well, not all my clients will use it. Well, who cares? What if 75% of them use it? You're much better off. You know, Jason, there's some, I've spoken to some advisors who will not take on a client if they don't use precise FP to provide them with the data. They'll, they'll actually go to that extent. I mean, that may be a bit extreme, but you well, know, to your I point, mean, yeah, if, we can, if you yeah. think, if you think about it as an enterprise, you think about it as a business, right? And you're trying to deliver a service at a certain price and maybe you're price competitive. The reality is, is that if they're not going to fill it out, it's going to take you a lot more time to process everything. Then frankly, you know, you'd have to charge more, right? So maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're just looking, maybe looking at it from the efficiency standpoint, profitability, which kind of makes a lot of sense. Right, right. I'm sure well, that's well with everybody. 40%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you consider 40% of the cost of creating a financial plan is in gathering the data and then entering the data into whatever system it is you use, that certainly becomes um, more costly if you have to do things manually and do things the old-fashioned way, which I think that precise piece time has come. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, yeah, initially we we didn't get great adoption uh, back in the early days, partly because we were you know fairly new as well. We've added a ton of features. So what we are today looks nothing like what we looked like in 2007. But yeah, we're excited about what the future holds for us. So let's talk about your integrations, because that is a huge time saver, as we're discussing here. Who do you currently integrate with? Yeah, we have a number of integrations that are uh, widely used. We have two financial planning applications, eMoney, MoneyGuideTro. We have a number of CRMs as well, Wealthbox, Redtail, Salesforce. We have integration as well. Smart Office. Smart Office is another uh, CRM that we're integrated with. And then we have some kind of file-based integrations that, that some are using where they can ask import of contacts, for instance, via CSV file. We have an integration with our own app. So we have an, an app that, uh, you know, that, that advisors are using. I'm really excited about the app because it, it really allows them to, uh, particularly lead gen, lead gen area, uh, you know, meet somebody in a cafe and strike up a conversation and send them an engagement piece. You know, it doesn't sound salesy. College planning is a big area currently that uh, advisors are thinking about, you know, paying for the cost of sending out the college. Well, we have a template that actually 
allows them to compare uh, schools and see which school would be you know, more inclined to give them a better deal. So things like that, where you contrast that with going to a cafe and saying, hey, I'm an advisor, would you like to have my business card? Maybe you won't call me at some point. Yeah. Giving them something of value, freemium. That term is thrown around quite a bit nowadays. I think Absolutely. that's where the future lies. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things that the other twist that you guys have with your questionnaire, you also pretty much data mine opportunities for the advisor as the input is added to it, do you not? We do, yeah. So there's <laughs> automations that can be set up, both at uh, kind of a setup as opportunities. So for instance, if, if there maybe is a beneficiary missing, so this actually helps a lot with, with NIGO, not in good order issues that some insurance companies are faced with when, when applications are filled in. So it's applicable in that area, but it's also applicable for the advisor that maybe just wants to have things brought to his or her attention. Things are missing or when a condition holds true, for instance, maybe they don't have enough insurance and they want to be automatically informed of that. Or another automation example would be creating a, a template, having it on your website, and having the ability for the client to specify what their areas of interest are. Maybe they're interested in mm -hmm. risk planning. So they check that off and submit that to the to the advisor, to the firm. And then precisely if he automatically sends out the next uh, engagement piece, whether that's a um, risk management type of a, a piece or whatever it is that the client has expressed interest in. So we're taking away the human part of having to manually decide, okay, I need to send this form out. Again, automations, making it much more efficient for the the client is self-serving in some respect. Absolutely. So you must have you done any studies to see what the average productivity savings is for an advisor office who implements your software? You know, we should. <laughs> but the answer <laughs> to that is no. What I can tell you is when they do adopt us, they uh, they tend to stick with us. And they really like the efficiencies that are gained and just uh, because the system was built around the way advisors work with clients. It's not a mm -hmm generic offering by any means. It's very, very um, laser focused on our industry. So like you mentioned, we have reminders that are sent to the, the client. Um, we have all the financial planning related fields already set up and the integrations, obviously. So we have advisors that come to us initially and say, well, why do I need to use you? Why couldn't I just use a Google Docs, like a Google form? Well, do you want it to look like crap? Part of my language. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want you want to be uh, viewed by your client as you know kind of Mickey Mouse. I don't know. That's up to you. But also, there's security issues, and then of course dealing with the data afterwards. It doesn't go to these financial planning or CRM applications. Uh, so there's a whole host of reasons why I would try. I would definitely steer advisors away from our, our competition, which at the end of the day is really uh, I just mentioned it: Google Docs, paper, and mm -hmm. PDF. Those are still our, our competition as of today. There's nobody else that does what we do in our space. No, I got to tell you, I'm just surprised it's so long for me to come across you. I mean, being in Canada versus the U.S., I guess it's the reason why. But that was when I saw what you guys did, I was just blown away. Implemented as fast as possible. And I'm not never going back unless someone comes up with, you know, short, short of something where the client populates it for the client. <laughs> like, you're safe. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you met, you brought up something. Well, so first of all, I guess I could tell our audience that I'm Canadian also and uh, living in Atlanta. I actually am a dual citizen now. But it's interesting, the space that we're in, you know, given the fact that we're so customizable and part of that is the data set itself. So the underlying structure uh, that the data can reside in is totally customizable. So we're finding ourselves in Canada. We're finding ourselves in the UK. 
Uh, we've actually created a data set specific to the UK. We're working on one for Canada, actually, as I speak. And so we're actually on all five continents, which is interesting. And not so when's the Canada one to be finished? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. The Canada one Canada one is weeks away actually. It's not it's not oh, okay. Far. Uh, well, if you need a beta tester, I'm right here. Anyway, the, um, nice. <laughs> you know, I, I think also, I mean, and I encourage anyone who's listening to this, to this, uh, who's, who's in the field to take a look at a hard look and do a demo. Cause one of the things that really impressed me and one of the reasons why I, I jumped on board as fast as I did was the fluidity in this. So I think with everything going on in terms of the, uh, DOA fiduciary rule and, and the questions around fiduciary rules, not only just in your country, but around the world, you must be getting a lot more hopefully a lot more attention from people who are basically seeming to do more diligent work for their clients, right? We are. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the DOL was actually a uh, a good thing for us. I know it, it's, a, it's a pain on the side, in the sides of many advisors, but uh, for us, it really brought to the forefront the importance of um, being a fiduciary, being uh, acting in the best interest of a client. And how do you do that if you don't know your client? You have to first gather sufficient data and keep that data current to, to be able to do that job. Not just the DOL, the SEC, and other regulatory bodies around the world are now increasingly requiring advisors to uh, to do, but also to be able to prove that they're doing it. Right? It's one thing to be doing a good job for our clients, but we also, unfortunately, not just to keep the regulators happy, but to keep the plaintiff attorneys, ha- you know, not happy. Um, <laughs> We need to be able to, to prove that, that we've done everything that we can to look out, look out for the best interests of our, of our clients. So, yeah, it has been. So a lot of these firms are kind of in reaction mode. They're very reactive as opposed to being proactive. Mm-hmm. Some of them are. Some of them have been doing it all along. You know, they've been uh, using us for years, and so they're ready. They're ready to uh, basically face whatever the regulators are going to throw at them. So, but we're... We're excited about, and we're actually have a version five coming out that will have uh, data quality measures, so we can actually help the client and the enterprise be more on top of the data that their advisors are collecting, or in some cases not collecting. So that's we're providing that oversight for, for some of the enterprise clients out there. I would think uh, I'm curious of uh, do you have much business in Australia, given how far ahead they are in regulation versus everywhere else. Yeah, you know, we do have a number of uh, advisors. We don't have an Australian data set, which is probably something that we need to start working on here mm-hmm. pretty soon. But we have a, a handful of advisors that have just taken the bull by the horns and uh, created their own data set, and they're using us. Yeah, they they do. We're um, on the other side of the world, so I'm not <laughs> not privy Fair to enough. everything that's that's going on over there. But yeah, I've had have had some conversations with, with some advisors. So you mentioned uh, your version five about to come out. So you mentioned data quality is one of the things. Any other big improvements uh, coming out on that release? Yeah, there's a number of things. Um, the list is quite long, and it's, it's really surprising to me because this is version five, and we've been doing it for 12 years. But with every release, we come out with them really. Just when you thought you did it all, we come out with some really cool things. So yeah, we're going to be simplifying the interface for the advisor, mm-hmm. making it easier to use. Um, some advisors are like to get their hands dirty and they're not afraid to do some of the things you talked about, conditional fields yeah. and scoring, that sort of thing, calculated fields. So kind of making it easier for those that maybe don't want to go that deep, but still need to accomplish some level of customization. So that's a big, a big piece. And as with, this is an ongoing thing, but we're always putting more content into our template library so that advisors, you know, lead gen pieces. Uh, we have a risk tolerance questionnaire, which is scientifically validated. I don't know if you've seen that, Jason, but it's, it's there. It's uh, a lot of advisors are using that. I know that's a crowded space right now, 
increasingly mm-hmm. so. But uh, Bangars is free, so you know I I like things that are free, and and I think think I think a lot like an advisor thinks, mm-hmm. which is you know trying to keep costs down. And so the, that's just one area. You know, we've got IPS as well. But we'll be continuing to put out content um, so the advisors can use that, customize it, certainly create their own. Well, it's interesting because you guys, you know, built a data gathering tool, but you've really built a lot more on top of that. I mean, uh, some of the applications I've seen you use for it are not the conventional things I would think of when I'm thinking of financial planning data gathering, right? You, you like you said, IPSs, for example, uh, client surveys, basically anything that we would need to digitally collect from a client seems to be possible on your platform. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I put on my uh, financial planner hat and I think of it's expensive, all these applications that that we have to pay for. And so that's one of our goals is to really, well, certainly have one place that the client needs to go as opposed to 15 different places, right? If they have to log into the risk tolerance questionnaire yeah. application and then they've got another application for surveys and we've got, we're trying to keep it all as much as possible in one place. And anytime that client needs to be engaged, we want it to be through us. You know, we want that entry to be through us and, um, Make that as efficient as possible. Yeah, we keep adding to it to the library, and hopefully advisors see value in that. Like I said before, we the data set is completely customizable. It also avails itself to different languages and different currencies. So I have users in mm-hmm. Quebec that are, are using us in French all over the world. That's, that's exciting. We can, we can allow them to do that and create that content. And we've actually created some content for the UK, specific to the UK, and we hope to rule out some more. And for Canada as well. Excellent. So what were some of the bigger challenges that you faced? Actually, you know, before we go there, you mentioned price. What's your price point? Because I thought that was impressive in itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good. Um, I always like to do that. <laughs> so our pricing is $60 a month. That gets you a one-user seat on our platform. And if you wanted to add users, which we we actually require if you're going to have more than one, certainly if you have more than one advisor at your firm, we require that number to be reflected in the the licensing. So if you have a five-advisor firm, you're you're supposed to have five users. So we we expect that of our firms that use us. And and they can use those however they want. If they don't necessarily want all of their advisors to be logging in, maybe there's an administrative staff that could make use of those logins. But we don't allow sharing mm-hmm. for many reasons, one of which is we have a complete audit trail of who did what and when. If we have people sharing IDs, that no longer becomes possible. But also, we need to cover our costs and keep, keep the development um, process moving forward. And so that's we certainly have more support costs as we add users. So we made it a f- hopefully affordable. Uh, it's a $30 addition for each uh, user that, that, that's added. Uh, as opposed to paying the $60 again. So if you've got five advisors, you're paying $30 for each of those additional users. And then, like I said, if you look at, you get an RTQ, right? A restaurant questionnaire. You get the IPS, you get all these extras that you may have already been paying for. Electronic signature. We have advisory firms that put their, their agreements in their, in their library. You create them there and they put, they put an e-signature part of that. So now clients are able to e-sign documents. So they, they don't have to pay for a separate subscription for some of these other services we're not offering up. So going back to the question I cut myself on, out on, what were some of the bigger challenges you faced when starting this company and getting to where you are today? Well, we bootstrapped mm-hmm. the Precise FP. In the early days, uh, we didn't look for outside funds. And, and 
I'm glad we didn't, quite honestly, because it, it made us accountable to to advisors like you, as opposed to venture capital folks that don't necessarily have the same <laughs> interests and objectives. So we were able to take it slow, and we had to take it slow because we didn't have the funds to make it take it any other way. But we learned a lot along the way too. You know, we first came out in 2007 with one questionnaire. You couldn't uh, couldn't have a library. We didn't have a library. We didn't have the ability to even create a you know like a prospect form versus a full comprehensive financial planning form. We only had one. And so some of the things that we learned is, yeah, we thought we could create this killer questionnaire with the input of the collective input of all the advisors that are using it, that we're using it, and quickly found out that that's not acceptable. They want to have the ability to customize, which I think is why some of these other applications, financial planning applications that have kind of added data gathering as an afterthought for the most part. I think that's why they struggled. And some of the bigger players out there made the announcement when they did do data gathering. Now, it was actually was, was a good thing for us because advisors tried to use it and they found that the box that they were finding themselves in wasn't a good fit. They, they wanted to be able to customize. They wanted to offer something different than an advisor down the street and they wanted their, their clients to feel they were being heard, right? Like, again, don't send the same data gathering template to a recent college graduate as, as a as you do to a retired couple, it's it's just it's just silly. But that's the reality of kind of these all-in-one solutions where you're not able to customize. You know, you pretty much have to go with what they offer. So we learned over the years that advisors want custom; mm-hmm. they want to be different, and they keep telling us that day in and day out. <laughs> we have all kinds of requests that that continue to come in. Like I said, we're on version five, but that just amazes me that. that the new things that we're coming out with, largely at the request of advisors. I totally get that. I've always, I've often joked or, or raved against the fact that you can have the exact you know, because there's no customization in a lot of financial planning softwares. That two people can have completely different financial plans, one that is superior to another in in a lot of ways, yet they look identical at first glance, right? And it doesn't do us any favors to all look the same. So, thank you for helping with that. So, with that, uh, how big is the team you're working with these days? Our development yeah, team? The entire company at this point. The entire company is uh, 10 of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're still small, and most of those are developers. But, uh, yeah, we keep it lean. And we don't even have a phone number on our website. If you look at our <laughs> I website, never about <laughs> you won't find a phone number. <laughs> and it's, it's intentional mm-hmm. because we find that the, the chat, and it's pretty much instantaneous when you start chatting with us, either via the website or via the in-app chat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to respond quickly. We're able to point you in directions that, uh, you know, like a knowledge base article, for instance, you can't do that over the phone as easily. I can't paste something into the phone and have you go there. So, yeah, we just keep things very, very lean and pass the savings on to the advisor and, and just put the money back into R&D. That's really what we're focused on, getting, making it better, continuously improving. And, um, so, yeah, that's the structure. Excellent. The so before we wrap it up, I just uh, have this one question I ask everybody before they finish. And what excites you about either what you're doing or what you're working on or, or planning to do that, that you'd like to share? You know, I've always, uh, I'm an advisor myself, as I told you. So when, I, when we come out with something new or even just in our day-to-day operations, I'm always thinking about the advisor and, and the advisor's client. In the early days, it stressed me out, to be quite honest with you, that we had some bugs and issues and, and that would way heavy on me because I I want to be able to have the advisor put his best 
foot forward. And that's us. The reality is we're the front end of that client engagement piece where we're even with leads, lead gen now, but that's what they see. They see us. And so it needs to be flawless. We don't want to have any bad experience. We want to have exceptional experiences that client can then turn around and say, wow, that was, was a great experience, you know, and it was easy, very professional. So what excites me, I guess, is just enabling the, in particular, the, the smaller advisory uh, shops out there that maybe they, they don't have a, have access to a robo offering that some of the bigger firms do uh, have access to. And so they're really relying on us to help, help level the playing field to a certain extent. So we're just one of many tools, obviously, that, that are out there that they're using. But I just view our, our role as, as important. Like I said, we're the first impression that the um, soon-to-be client has. And, uh, you know, we want to just keep keep that experience exceptional and make it a great one for the, for the client. So I'm excited about that. I really am. I, I like talking with advisors, even though we don't have a telephone number. <laughs> I do like talking to advisors <laughs> and just listening to how we've transformed the way they do business. I didn't expect that in 2007 to hear that some of the things that I'm hearing today. And I think getting the word out, which is, I, I appreciate you doing this podcast well, with me. Um, I think the more advisors can hear about technology, like ours. I was actually told this not too long ago. We're the best kept secret in the fintech space. Advisors still, a lot of them, we've got a good user base now, but there's still surprisingly a lot of advisors. That, have never uh, that is a very fair assessment, especially outside of your own country. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. So yeah, I'm excited about the future. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I'm sure this is uh, this was great. I'm sure people are going to love it. And I hope you enjoy it. Have a safe travel back home. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Oh, and if I, if I may, thanks. anybody that mentions this podcast, sign up for a free trial. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a seven-day free trial. Mention the podcast, and we'll extend that to 30 days. Oh, fantastic. There you go, people. A reward for listening. Excellent. Thank you very much for that offer, Don. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, thanks. Jason. And that was my interview with Don at Precise FP. Don't forget that if you're going to try out his software, you should really mention this podcast. As you heard, you will get an extended trial period. I thank him again for that. That's uh, the first offer. I'm going to start demanding that for more people. So as always, thank you for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.